Finding the Gospel, the story of Noah, third part of a sermon series I'm doing titled The Gospel of Genesis. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 6. Please stand to your feet one time this morning in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. We will begin in verse 5. And you have to follow me. I'm not going to read every verse. Just follow me. I'll tell you where I'm at. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Now look at verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household. Because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And then finally, verse 5. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Let us pray. Father, this morning we love you. And God, this one day a year that we especially remember Father's Day, we are thankful that you are our great Father. And God, while there are multitudes here represented with different upbringings, some their father has passed on, others have not had good relationships with their fathers, and others have known great relationships. Lord, all of us can say one thing this morning that are Christians in this place, that Lord, You are the great Father. And Lord, we love You this morning, we worship You. Lord, I ask right now that You would anoint me to preach Your Word in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that You would save sinners this morning. And God, that You would open the eyes of the blinded heart that men and women who do not know You might see their need for salvation from the wrath to come. Lord, we pray that You would meet with us, Father. And God, that You would speak and do what only You can. That Your Spirit would minister to hearts, Lord, like only You can. God, will be careful to give You and You only the honor and the praise and the glory for You alone are the giver of every good gift. Lord, we can do nothing without Your help, and that's why this morning we pause to pray and ask, Lord, that You would do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Be glorified this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Before I preach, I'm not going to spend very much time here this morning, though I'm tempted to. Let me say this. The flood is a historic fact. I've read the commentaries of fools who argue that the worldwide flood did not happen. 
And it blows my mind that there are Christians, people who call themselves by the name of Christ, who would believe that God has the ability to speak this world into existence out of nothing, and yet not cause the world to flood. It is a fact proved in the Genesis record. But you listen to this in Matthew chapter 24, which I will get there later. I'm going to close this sermon out of that passage. Jesus Christ Himself. Our Savior, our King, the one whom you have placed your faith in for salvation. He himself spoke of the worldwide flood in the days of Noah. If you don't believe in the flood, then you don't believe Jesus. The prophets also spoke of the flood, Isaiah chapter 54, and so did the apostles. We see Peter in the book of 1st and 2nd Peter referring to Noah. In the flood. It is a historic fact. And that's all I'll say on that this morning. I want to preach to you the application of the flood to our lives. The first thing that I want to point out this morning is that the ark is a divine provision. The ark was God's divine provision. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, make thee an ark. Before the floodwaters came upon the earth, before the very first drop of rain fell from the sky, God already had a plan. He had a divine provision that would rescue those that were righteous in the day, though they were few and though they were outnumbered. God had a plan of provision, a divine plan from heaven before the floods ever came. And it was God's plan. It wasn't Noah's. So too this morning is salvation God's plan. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not some creation of man. God Himself had a plan. I'm reminded of the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world in uh, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. Before the ark was ever made, God had a means of escape for His people in His mind. Noah was commanded to construct it before a drop had ever fallen. Also notice that God revealed His plan to Noah. His own designs. God had ordered Noah to build a place of refuge. In other words, had God not come to Noah and revealed to Noah the way of escape, Noah never would have known to build an ark. Noah didn't just think to himself, here's what I'll do to be saved through this. God said, child, if you want to be saved through this flood, if you want to be saved through the wrath that will come on this world, you're going to have to do it my way and my way only. And here is the plan. Today, God is still revealing His plan of salvation to mankind. And there's only one way, and it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it still takes the Spirit of God to reveal to us truth. You can't win people with just facts. 
I understand that no matter how great I preach this morning, no matter how accurate what I say is, it still takes the Spirit of God to open up your blinded eyes, to open up that heart of yours and roll back the veil that you can see you're lost without hope and you need a Savior named Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no man comes unto me unless the Father draws him. It's one of the things we've lost in the church uh, in general, in a large way in our nation. The polling of the Holy Spirit. Men and women of God that understand we need to seek the face of God and ask God to do what only He can. That, uh, that, that in all of my efforts and everything that I do, it's not enough. We still need God to touch. God needs to breathe on it. And this morning, as much as ever, we need the Spirit of God to open up the eyes of our heart and to reveal to us truth and to show us what only God can show us. God revealed His plan to Noah. Noah didn't figure it out on his own. It wasn't something he brainstormed. We see that the ark was God's divine provision. We see that God revealed it to Noah. I want to consider the material this morning the ark was made out of. It was not made out of steel like our modern ships. It was made out of wood. Now, when I say that on the surface, it not, might not make a lot of sense. But can I tell you that in order for the wood to be brought to the ark, it had to be chopped down. We see a principle that to be delivered from the wrath to come, something has to die. Every tree that Noah and his sons would go to, they would chop that thing down and that tree would die. And it points forward and it shadows that there would come a day when someone else would have to die. And so too would he die on that old, rugged, wooden cross. To be saved, there had to be the shedding of blood. Something has to die before there will ever be new life. This is one of the principles we see throughout all of the Word of God. For the Christian death actually is the portal through which we move into everlasting life. Jesus said, unless a man deny himself and take up his cross, he cannot come after me. You'll never be saved this morning until you first have the death of the old man and find the new life of Christ by faith in Him and in Him alone. And Noah would not find shelter from the storm. Until he would find these trees that God told him to go and find and he would chop them down and he would make the ark out of the trees. It requires death in order for us to find new life. We also see that the ark was a refuge from divine judgment. In chapter 2 and 3, we saw that God knew what was happening with Adam and Eve. In chapter 4, we saw that He heard the blood. And in chapter 6, we see that God sees. In verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. In verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. In verse 12, so God looked upon the earth. And then in verse 1 of chapter 7, the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen. 
This morning, can I tell you, God sees everything. He sees it all. He hears it all. There's nothing that the eyes of the Lord do not see. We often think that because we live a life that that everybody around us doesn't know the, the deep things that are taking place inside and some of the ways that we compromise and because the whole rest of the world lives the way they live, that somehow, some way, God is going to judge me according to everybody else. But the Bible says He saw that every intent of the thoughts of His heart were only continually evil. There are three arcs mentioned in Scripture, and all of them are refuge from divine judgment. The ark of Noah secured those within from the outpoured wrath of God. The ark of bulrushes, if you remember, Moses was put in it and pushed down the river. It protected the child Moses from the murderous designs of Pharaoh, who was a type of Satan. And then the ark of the covenant sheltered the two tables of the stones on which were inscribed the holy law of God. Each ark speaks of Christ. We're sheltered from God's wrath. We're sheltered from Satan's assaults. And we're sheltered from the condemnation of the law so long as we are in Christ. This morning, are you in Him? Are you in the ark? The ark that Noah built was a place of safety from divine judgment. It was also, listen to this, the only place The only place where he could find deliverance from the wrath to come. I'm getting ahead of myself when I deal with the door. But there's only one way. There wasn't several arcs. There wasn't multiple ways to make it through. It wasn't so long as everybody kind of thought they were going to go this route or that route. There was one way and it was God's way. There's not many roads that lead to heaven. There's not a lot of gods. There's fools out there that will tell you, oh, we all believe in the same God and and the God of the Muslims and the God of this and the God of that is the same God. No, it's not. There is one God. His name is Jehovah God. He is the great I Am. He is the God of the Bible. Jesus Christ is His Son. And He is one and only. There's only one God. And there's only one shelter from the wrath to come. This morning, are you in the shelter? Are you in the ark this morning? The wrath of God is coming. It is a divine judgment, but there is a divine refuge from His judgment. Christ is the only Savior of lost sinners. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Today, God warns that judgment is coming. It's not coming as the flood, but as fire. We find that in 2 Peter chapter 3. But even though God warns, judgment is coming. Just like in Noah's day, few listen. And even fewer actually believe it. I want you to notice also that They were invited to come into the ark. God Himself said to Noah, Come, thou and all thy house, into the ark. 
This is the first time in the entire Bible the word come is found. And it's actually found 500 more times after this. It is a beautiful picture of Jesus standing and saying, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does any among you thirst? Let him come unto me and drink. You see, when you tell somebody to go, it's a command. And go means to move in a direction away from me. But when you say come, come means come towards me. God did not tell Noah to go into the ark. He said, come. And this morning, God is saying the same thing to each and every one of you here this morning that haven't come to know Him in the free pardon of sin. Jesus stands and He says, come to Me. Come to Me. The offer is there. The offer still stands. Today is the day of salvation. And there is still refuge from the wrath to come. There is still refuge from the storm that is ahead. And it is found in Jesus Christ. And the offer to come is still there today. Come. The ark was a place of absolute security. Absolute security. No matter how hard it rained, or how high the waters rose, everyone that was inside the ark was secure. It didn't matter how, how violent the winds were. It didn't matter how big the waves were. It didn't matter how high the rain was, how high the waters were. Everything inside the ark was secure. Can I tell you this morning, the only thing you need is Jesus. Amen. He is your answer to everything. God has but one answer to all of man's problems, and the answer is in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is enough. He is the shelter from the storm. He is the strength when we are weak. He is the one that feeds us when we're hungry. He's the one that lifts us up when we're too weak to go any longer. It is in Him and in Him alone that we find absolute security. Men and women will search the world all over trying to find security, trying to build themselves up, trying to make a fortress by which nothing can penetrate, trying to create enough wealth so that anything that would ever happen to them, they're still secure, trying to, to, to build a life that no matter what happens, somehow there, there's certain things won't fall. But the Bible tells us that if you build on the sand, eventually the storms will come and they'll wash it away. The only way you can stand through the storms of life this morning is if you're built on the solid rock, if you're found in Jesus Christ, if you're found in the ark, it was divine protection, but it was also absolute security from the most wicked of storms that would destroy the rest of the earth. Thank God this morning there's security in Jesus Christ. Amen. I can't promise you this morning that you're never going to go through a storm. I'd be lying to you. I can't promise you this morning that it won't feel like sometimes that the waters are rising and, and it looks like everything's going to be destroyed. I can't promise you this morning that you're never going to face circumstances in life that are confusing to you and that you're not going to go through pain and that you're not going to go through suffering and that you're not going to experience death. But this morning I can promise you, friend, that if you're in the ark, if you're in Jesus Christ, that when the storms come, thank God you're not going to go under, you're going to go over because the power is in Jesus Christ and there is absolute security in Him. I'm not going under this morning. Thank God. Let the floodwaters come. 
Let them come. I'm in the ark. Are you there with me? No matter how hard it rained, everything inside the ark was secure. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Your life is hid with Christ in God. Just as Noah was hid in the ark. I also want you to notice the ark only had one door. That's all that it had. It didn't have multiple doors to get into. Some for these animals, some for that, those animals. One for Noah, one for his children. There was one door. There's only one way in. The same was also true of the tabernacle. It too had one single entrance. The spiritual application is obvious. There is only one way of escape from death. There is only one way. And it is through faith in Jesus Christ. Noah was saved by grace through faith. I'm going to show you that here in just a minute. There's still only one way of salvation. The saints of old were saved the same way the saints of new are. By faith in God. But this morning, can I tell you there is one way. And His name is Jesus Christ. You can't get saved by being a good person. You can't be saved by doing more good things than bad things and hoping that when it's all done and when it's all finished and when it's all over, God's going to put all the good things that you've done over here on this side and the few bad things you've done on this side. And so long as you look like a pretty good person, you're going to be entered in. There is one way. There is one door. His name is Jesus Christ. And this morning, friend, if you haven't entered in through the door, if you haven't entered in through the one and only way, the narrow gate, the narrow path, you, my friend, are on a one-way road to destruction. Turn away from that direction. Turn to Jesus Christ. He alone is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And He is the door this morning that you must come through if you want to enter into heaven. There is one way. One door on the ark. Have you entered in through the ark? That one door. I don't care what somebody else told you. This is the Word of God. I don't care what some philosopher thinks. There is one way. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I think about the door that's on the ark. And I'm reminded that Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. Jesus is the door. He's not a door. He's not one of many. He is the door. This morning, have you come through the door? This morning, have you entered in to the ark? I also want you to notice there was a window in the ark. Look at verse 16 of chapter 6. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. There was a window that was in the ark, Finished above. I don't know about you, but here's what that thing speaks to me. 
that when you're in the when you're in the storm and you're in the ark, there's only one place to look. They had, there was one way out. God gave them a window to look out of. But you notice that from where they are at, all they could do is look up through that window into the heavens. They couldn't look down on the destruction. They couldn't look down and see everything that was happening and those who were being destroyed underneath of them. There was only one way to look, and that was up. And I'm reminded of Colossians chapter 3 that tells us to don't look on these earthly things, but set your mind on heavenly things. Child of God, you'll learn to live in victory a whole lot sooner if when the storms of life come, you'll quit looking around at the waves and you'll quit getting up that ladder to look down through that window to see what's going on down in the world. I'm telling you what's going on. It's destruction. It's terrible. It's death. It's pain. God says, don't look down there. Look up to me. Keep your focus on the prize. Keep your focus on what's ahead of you. And don't lose hope. You are in the ark this morning. Child of God, keep your eyes focused to the heavens. You're going to go through storms. You're going to go through hard times. But keep your eyes on the prize. Our affections must be set upon the things above, not on the things of earth. You know, we saw the same principle of looking to heaven, even here from earth. If you remember, they were guided by a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night after God led them through the Red Sea. And we see the continuing principle. You remember when, when Peter was walking on the water and he got his eyes off of the Lord and he began to look at the storm. One of the fastest ways to sink internally. Thank God that when you're actually inside the ark, you're not going to go down. But friend, you can be inside that ark and you can climb up that ladder and you can peer down to the destruction and you can find yourself that you're pretty worried and living in turmoil inside. You're still inside the ark. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God that when you're in, the Bible says God shut that door. God shut him in and they weren't getting out until God said it's time for you to come out, child. But you can be inside the ark and you can be inside Christ. And can I tell you this morning... If you're focusing on everything else that's going on in this world and the only thing you ever do is watch the news and it's always negative and, and it, it, it blows my mind how we as a society focus on the negative. And I do believe things are bad. I'm not saying they're not. But they're not any worse than they were 4,000 years ago in Genesis chapter 6. People aren't any more wicked today than they were in the day of Lot when they came and tried to do the things they wanted to do to him and his, uh, the, the, the men that were with him. People are wicked. This world is corrupt. This is why we need a Savior. God's trying to teach us a lesson with the window that's placed above the door. Child, this morning, look up to me and trust me. Realize you're secure in me. Thank God for the ark this morning. Thank God for the protection that's in Christ Jesus. And may God help us to look to heaven always and not to the things of the earth. I also want to point out this morning that the ark shows us the need for the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. How do you get that, Pastor? 
Look with me at verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. I cannot tell you exactly why that word is translated pitch. In the Hebrew, the word zedith is the word for pitch. Every other place in the Bible... Pitch is only interpreted pitch out of the word zedith. But here the word is kephar, which is translated 70 other times in the Old Testament. Listen to this, to make atonement. The only place in the entire Bible this word is translated pitch is here. Everywhere else it means to make atonement. Why, Joplin, did get translated this way, my guess is simply because it means to cover. That's what an atonement is. It is the the covering. But we see that God knew exactly what He was doing. He covered the inside and the outside of it with an atonement. The Bible tells us in Habakkuk 1 and chapter 13 that God is holy and as such He He is of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. God cannot look on sin. God cannot look on sin. I hope I can preach this here for just a minute. He is so holy that He cannot look on sin. Now, if we're honest this morning, we remember the book of 1 John. It says, He that says he is without sin is a liar, and the truth of God is not in him. And even as a child of God, who has a pure and honest heart to serve God and to obey God and to follow Him, I find that I still wrestle at times with the principle of sin. Because I am yet constrained to this flesh. And if God cannot look upon sin, then I need to be covered so that He sees something else. And that covering is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As As the wrath of God was being poured out upon mankind because of the sin of man, because of the wickedness of man, because the thoughts and intents of their hearts were continually wicked always, As God placed Noah and his family in the ark, as He begged them and pled with them to come, and they they came and they went into that ark and God shut them in, they were covered with the covering and God looked through the atonement. He looked through the blood when He saw them. Thank God that when I fall... Thank God that when the old accuser, that old devil in Revelation chapter 12, it says he came, the accuser of the brethren, but they overcame him how? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. My word, the testimony that I have, is that the blood of the Lamb covers me, and that when God looks at me, He sees the blood. Amen. You remember when, the de- when God sent that final plague, the death of the firstborn? Everybody that was in the land, they still went through the same plague. But if the blood covered the doorposts and they were inside the blood, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This morning, 
Are you covered by the blood? Do you understand that God can't look upon sin? Any sin. You know, it's important I say this for a little while. The thoughts and intents of everyone's heart was evil continually. You know what happens in a world like that? The same thing that happens in our world. We see the the news, and people do awful things. Awful things. Some of the things I hear about people doing to other people, I I I can't understand. I don't. Horrible, wicked things. And here's what we're inclined to do. We're, we're inclined, when trying to understand my righteousness, to compare myself to them. And when the rest of the world is, I mean, they're horrible. I know people that are horrible. I don't feel quite so bad. I kind of feel maybe a little clean. A little more righteous. A little more in control. This morning, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might not be as wicked as some of the most wicked people on this earth. You may have never killed anybody. You may have never did some of the wicked things you hear on the news. But friend, if you've sinned, you sinned against God. And you still need the atoning shed blood of Jesus Christ. It still takes the blood. It still takes the blood. We've moved away from the preaching of the blood. The preaching of righteousness. The Bible tells us Noah was a preacher of righteousness. We see the atonement through the pitch. We see that you can only find shelter from God's wrath underneath the blood. It still takes the blood. And finally, on the point of the atonement, I want to say this. Noah went through the same judgment the rest of the world did. But he was safe inside the ark. God didn't take Noah out of the flood. God didn't move Noah to a secure peace on the earth where there wouldn't be any rain and where everything was going to be peaceful and everything was going to be good. He just said, I'm going to take care of you through it. You get inside this ark. And you do what I've asked you to do. And when the, when the wrath comes and when the judgment comes, you're just going to rise above it. Thank God that we're not going under, but we are going over. Thank God that when, it, when, when this world crashes and when everything comes down and, and when the judgment of God comes, friends, I'm still going to stand before Him. I'm still going to give an account. But when God looks at me, He's going to see the finished work of the cross. He's going to see the righteousness of Christ imputed to me. He's going to look and see something that's not of my own. He's going to see that all that I did was place my faith in the Holy One, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. And I'm safe in Him this morning. And when judgment comes, and friends, it will come, when the judgment of God comes, and when God says there will be no more, and when this earth is burned with the fervent heat and all the elements thereof, I'm going to be safe and I'm going to be secure because I'm in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God. Thank God this morning for the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. I want to close with a few thoughts. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said this, verses 37 and 38, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And Peter said in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, he said of Noah that he was, quote, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Let's bring this to us where we are today. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. Did Jesus believe in Noah? Did Jesus believe in the flood? Yes, he did. As in the days of Noah, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. People going about their business, eating, drinking, having a good time, marrying, thinking this isn't ever going to happen. It tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Can you picture with me for just a brief moment, please? And I'll move as fast as I can. Can you picture the foolishness that people thought of Noah? In Genesis chapter 2, we learn that God actually uh, brought springs up from the ground to water the plants of the earth. It hadn't rained yet. And here's this fool. It's interesting, the Bible says God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching. Hey, if our preaching doesn't sound like foolishness sometimes, we're doing something wrong. If everything I say makes perfect sense to everybody in this world, something's wrong with my preaching. Noah's telling these folks that, guess what? It's going to rain. Water's going to fall from the sky. And he's building this ginormous ark. Sounds like foolishness, doesn't it? Based on what, Noah? God said, that's what. And I believe Him. I think about the few people that were saved. Eight. Eight. Can I tell you, I believe, this pastor believes, there's only a minute number of people that are really saved. Minute. I think you'd be terrified to know what small percentage of people in this world are really saved. Everybody thinks they're saved. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody thinks they're in the ark. But very few really are. And Noah is this preacher of righteousness. As in the days of Noah, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. We're living in those times now. Everybody's going about their business. They say to those few that are still preaching the truth of the gospel, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. We've got all these things that give us reason not to believe. Is God really going to bring fire from the heavens and, and, and make this entire earth melt up and all the elements thereof? That sounds like foolishness, preacher. Well, listen to this preacher. You better believe it because God said it so. And you better hope this morning that you'll find refuge in the ark when that day comes because just as sure as the flood came, that day is coming. 
And God is still saying this morning, come. He's still saying, come. Noah was the preacher of righteousness. I know that I am he this morning, but can I just say thank God for preachers. Thank God for them. Thank God for the preacher that got up and preached his heart out the day that I got saved. Thank God for the preacher that was preaching the day that you got saved. Thank God for the men and women of God that will stand up and proclaim the truth of God. There is one God. There is one way. There is one door. And you must know Him. And you must come to Him. And you must place your faith in Him if you want to be saved. Noah was a preacher of righteousness and his message sounded crazy. Our message might sound crazy today, but it's true. He was building an ark on dry land. Surely he was ridiculed. And surely folks thought he was crazy. I like to call it a bit peculiar. We also see, and I'm very close to being done, that God gives warnings, but eventually his patience ends and judgment comes. Even though God knew they would not listen. Even though God knew they would not listen. For nearly 120 years, Noah preached. And he built the ark. And he told them, the judgment of God is coming. And no one listened. There are some here this morning under the sound of my voice. Not me, but God has been patient with you. And God, in His love for you, has warned you and warned you and warned you and warned you. Quit playing games, child. Turn away from that foolishness and follow after Me. And week after week after week, you think, well, I'll have tomorrow. I'll have tomorrow. You don't know, friend. And I don't know when that day is either. But I know this, that there comes a time when God finally says, I've warned you enough, and the Word has gone out long enough, and the preaching has gone out long enough. It is time to shut the door on the ark, and nobody else is getting in. Could you imagine the picture? God shut the door on the ark. Then it starts to rain. See, it doesn't flood immediately. It's a terrifying thought, but this is the truth. It doesn't rain. I mean, it doesn't flood immediately. It's not like magically all of a sudden the entire earth was filled with water. God broke up the fountains of the deep. Streams of water shot miles into the sky. It began to rain all over the earth. And all of a sudden people began to realize maybe what Noah was saying was really true. But it was a little bit too late. God had already shut in the door. And I will guarantee... Even though I can't show it to you in the Word, I will guarantee to you this morning that when the flood waters began to, began to rise, that there was people beating on the side of the boat, Noah, let us in! But God's the one that had said it was time. God's the one that had shut the door. And God alone opens doors. And God alone shuts doors. And those that had made the decision to believe God and follow Him and come when He said come, those were the ones safe inside while the rest was on the outside world knowing destruction is at hand. It is a terrifying thought. 
And I don't even like preaching about it this morning, but it is the truth of God. And it is going to happen to untold billions on this planet. That day will come. This morning, if you're one of those who have not turned to Him, and you're not following Him, and you haven't given Him your heart, and you're not serving Him, and you haven't placed your faith in Him, friend, if that day comes before you do, it'll be too late. You'll have begged God for one more chance. One more chance. God, I didn't really think it was going to happen this soon. God, I didn't really believe that crazy preacher that got up there and screamed about the judgment of God that was coming. God will say, friend, I told you. I loved you. I warned you. You might think this morning that God doesn't love you and you look at all the circumstances in your life that don't make sense to you. But you'll never forget this. The day this preacher stood before you and reminded you that God loved you enough to bring you here this morning to speak to you. You're the one that has to respond to the Word of God this morning. But you will never again from this moment forward, the rest of your life, the rest of eternity, be able to argue that God didn't warn you. And that God didn't bring you to a place where you could be told the truth. That the judgment of God is coming, but there's refuge in Jesus Christ. There's a storm that's coming. There's a day that's coming. God's going to destroy this earth. He's going to destroy sin once and finally forever. And those that know Him will live forever in peace. In peace, And they will know Him. And there will be no sickness and no pain and no death. But those who have rejected Him will be cast into the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for all of eternity. Those are the only two destinations. Where are you going, friend? When you think about it this morning, what else matters? You waiting to get into the boat because you want to burn with your friends? You want to drown with them outside the boat? Are you foolish this morning? What are you waiting on? What keeps you this morning from answering God when He says, Come. The offer still stands this morning. The offer still stands. We need to be preaching. I'm going to close with this last thought. God has always saved people the same way, by grace. The Bible tells us in verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we find that it was the faith of, God, the faith of Noah in God that allowed him to obey. You see, true faith always, 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 always leads to obedience. You want to know if you have true faith this morning? Are you living an obedient life to Christ? I'm not asking if you're perfect. and Don't go there with me. I already told you that in 1 John, he that says he's without sin is a liar. The truth of God is not in him. But you know as well as anybody does, are you really following him? Are you obedient to the Lord? Because if you're not, he's not your Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? The last verse I read to you at the opening of our text tells us that Noah did all that God commanded him to do. Are 
Are you really following Him this morning? Thank God for the protection of the ark. Thank God for the covering of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God that when the storms of life come, so long as I'm in Him, I'm protected. And though the storms come and the waves come and the floods rise, I'm going to be safe and secure. Thank God this morning that when the judgment of God comes in the end of the day, that I am safe in Christ. But this morning, aren't you? This morning, aren't you?